Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Okay, so let's start with, you. I'll let you introduce yourself. I am Deanne Gagnon, and my company is Deanne Gagnon Dynamics, where I work with teams to help them thrive. And essentially, I do this through giving them space to have conversations and just ask questions that they generally don't take into consideration. So you said help teams thrive. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to get you in to talk. We've actually known each other for... I'm not going to do the math, but uh, since high school, so that's... Just a couple of years. Just a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The other reason is through, as we've gotten to know each other through this other female entrepreneur group we are both a part of, learning about your business, I would say the, the field that very much either complements or is like a, like alongside a lot of the work that I do, I, I love that there's more options for businesses big and small both locally maybe outside of our region to do this really important work but it was one specific event that you were hosting at Goods & Co which uh, if you're not from Thunder Bay is a local like market that used to be in our our old Eaton's building and so maybe I'll let you explain a little bit about that event and, and why you wanted to do it. So the purpose of that, it was called the Coffee and Connect with Leaders. And essentially, there was a few a few reasons behind that. One is because leading teams is hard. And lots of times through my work, I recognize that leaders don't get the support that they need. And then they also don't necessarily have people to connect with on their team because there's a very unique set of struggles when it comes to being a leader. So a big piece of that was give leaders an opportunity to connect with other leaders and then also have conversations. The The basis of that event was how do you as a leader need to feel? And then also as a leader, how does your team need to feel in order to be successful? Because that's something that isn't taken into consideration. And that was a big part in wanting to kind of host that event because so many things happen, especially I don't really like talking about COVID because it's something that we all know it's kind of gone on, but ultimately it changed the way that we work and what the landscape of our workplace looks like. And through that, nobody came through the pandemic unscathed and leaders had to be able to change on the fly. They couldn't answer questions. They didn't know what was going on half the time. Mandates were changing daily. And now it's on the other side of that taking the time to become really intentional about through the pandemic, what worked, what didn't, where did this show us that we could be flexible in ways we didn't realize? What kind of supports do people need? As a leader, how can I better support myself and how can I better support my team? So yeah, that's like my long convoluted way of the whole event was just for leaders to connect with other leaders, to have an opportunity to talk about their own challenges in a safe environment. So a couple of things that you mentioned that I would love to, I don't want to use the word circle back because I, there was that really funny meme that actually, you know, you go back, you talked about the, about the pandemic and I don't know if you saw all those like memes and jokes that came out. It's like, now I'm working at home with my spouse and I never realized I was married to like the circle back guy or, you know, (laughs) the person, you know, I'm married to the woman who always asks that last question at the end of a meeting when all you want to do is hang up. 
But a couple of things you touched on that are actually really relevant to some other work that I'm doing right now is you talked about, you know, leaders didn't, like sometimes they don't know where to go for answers. And maybe you can like share some of your own experiences. But I find that sometimes you get promoted maybe because of, you know, your, your length of time within an organization and hopefully related to like your skills related to the position but a lot of times what you're skilled at doing might not always be about the people part and so maybe it was like you and one other colleague maybe you were on the same level and all of a sudden now it's like oh wait but now 10 people are reporting to me what does that mean what does that look like is that just going you know approving vacation is that just sort of making sure people are staying on track but what happens when there's like Remember, we're not computers, we're people. So what's that human resource side of it? Like, what's been your experience with working with maybe like that new leadership style? That's a a really good question because it is something that isn't taken into consideration. And it's something where I've worked for big corporations in the past where it was just the natural sequence of events where it's like oh the person with the most seniority is going to get this job and then naturally this person's going to move up whether they're the right fit for the job or not and it is really challenging and I think that that's a big piece for new leaders is they're not prepared in the right way not to take away from anybody's role but it's it's different when you're in a position of leadership and you have a new set of responsibility because you're now also taking into account not just your feelings, but it's managing other people as well. So in that piece, I was actually working with a team a couple of weeks ago and there was someone in the group who was a relatively new leader where they kind of shifted, went up the, um, kind of went through the scales. And when I asked him, do people treat you differently now? And he was like, oh yeah, you feel it. And it's even just recognizing when I, any places I've worked, I've, I've had someone who was a friend of mine become a leader and then you just naturally kind of change. And is there that high, there's that hierarchy there that it, it sucks. It's kind of like, like this person who was a friend of mine would come kind of where our desks were and we would all kind of stop talking. And she's like, please, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> please don't stop talking because I'm here. Please come visit me in my office. Like it's not... It shouldn't be like that. And a big way to handle that is when you're in a new leadership role is talking to the other leaders and, hey, what what are your challenges? And then something that I really love is when someone takes a position of leadership, it is sitting down with the people who are kind of going to be under their like care or responsibility and saying, what do you need from me? For us as a team, what do we need to be successful? How can I support you as a leader? And what can I do? But that's where holding an event where it's specifically designed for leaders to connect with others because you don't know. And depending on how people are and what the work environment is, the level of openness, people, it's a vulnerable thing to walk into somewhere and be like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to manage people. I don't know how to worry about these people's feelings. And that's where it's such an important piece that people need to go through that training and have the opportunity to shift their thinking that maybe my responsibility before was doing this computer work or services on a computer or say something involving data or customer service even. And now 
my level of responsibility has changed. Just like if I was learning a new computer program, I'm going to be trained and learn that program. When I'm leading people, there's a different type of training where it is, that's why I feel so strongly about what I've been, what I kind of say is like people first leadership, because at the end of the day, the people who you are responsible for are people. They have feelings, everything that we do, whether you want to admit that you like feelings or talking about feelings or that there's emotions. Lots of people, I I talk about emotions in my workshops and people, I kind of see them. Like I always have one little, like literal audible, like in every single workshop. And I understand that discomfort, but even that feeling and groaning is you're having a feeling in that moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's bringing those conversations to the table that make it easier for people to be vulnerable And then lots of times when I'm running workshops and we're talking about feelings, the person who's groaning audibly by the end of it is like, oh, that was actually great. Thank you. We didn't realize how beneficial that would be in having these conversations and learning to recognize. And then when we recognize certain emotions in people, how do we help them manage? How do we help them cope? How do we increase the positive feelings? So... Mm-hmm. And even like, okay, yeah, increase the positive feelings, but how do we acknowledge and take any like negative or difficult pieces and not, you know, ostracize or make anybody feel like, well, that's not appropriate for the workplace. I think that's one thing that maybe from the pandemic, I think even before, but I feel like earlier in my career, I was told like, there's work life and there's home life right? Don't drag your personal stuff into work. Like that stays at the door. I literally remember a director saying that to me, like kind of hands up in the air, like, don't talk to me about your stuff. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. That's, that's how working in a big office is supposed to be. I come in, I punch in, I punch out kind of thing. And I was definitely not in that kind of industry at all, but that shift on, oh, wait, people do bring their stuff from home, from all the places into your work life and and how do you give that space like how do you make that okay and I think those are still conversations that I think all of us are trying to help others figure out and there's no like one path you've talked a little bit about your workshops so why don't you share like what types of workshops you do maybe like lead us through your favorite kind of workshop what that looks like yeah and um just to touch back on how to kind of normalize the hard feelings because I know that exactly what you're saying and it was you got to separate them I'm a hard on my sleeve kind of person so as someone who is like no you should you've got to be at work you're very stoic and you don't we don't have personal lives we don't have issues I'm like but I do and what's going on you can't just like walk through the door and it's like walking through a curtain and on the other side you're coming out fine so in normalizing these kinds of conversations it makes it so much better for everyone because then instead of say Bob from accounting is having a hard time and he comes in and he's miserable instead of people being like oh I noticed Bob comes in late all the time and this and that and well we're gonna have to talk to him and give him some discipline coming from a place of empathy is hey Bob from accounting what like what is going on and then if he feels safe enough and if we and if the environment has been created to say you know what I'm going through some tough times right now. Um, I'm feeling like disconnected. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Then it gives people the tools to say, how can I support you? 
What do you need? And so essentially that's kind of my workshops. I offer a variety of kind of different things and it is a lot of what I do. I custom design based on team's needs because every team is so different, but I've got a few kind of favorites that I do. One of them is a tool that I discovered last year. It's a company based out of New Zealand called Elephants and Riders. No, it's Riders and Elephants. (laughs) And they have a tool called the Emotional Culture Deck. And it has been a game changer for me. It is the best. It's a deck of cards. Everyone in the room gets a deck. And the black cards have the desired feelings. The white cards have the less desired feelings. And ultimately, it's every workshop I start with a quick check-in now. Every single person has the deck. In the last week, what's one thing that you have felt? And then they can kind of look through and it's like any positive feelings like happy joyful in the deck there's one it's uncomfortable is in the positive side and the negative side because I know myself this year one of my work like how I want to feel for my business to be successful I picked uncomfortable in a positive way because Mm -hmm. when I'm uncomfortable it means I'm growing yeah yeah and then so there's a few like that and then there's just this stack of cards that are like less desired feelings where you can look and be like People are always surprised when they're flipping through and they'll pick um, like insecure or uncertain, hesitant, anything like that. And I have people look at these cards and say, I was, didn't even know because I couldn't put a word to what I've been feeling. Yeah. But it is this. And then something that's really powerful in using the emotional culture deck as a tool is I've had groups of 15 people sitting around a table and nine of them will have the word overwhelmed. And wow. All of them are like, it's really interesting to see, hey, nine of us have been feeling overwhelmed. But in giving the space to have that kind of a conversation, it helps to learn signs of to recognize when people are overwhelmed, um, things that you can do. Like when I do a full, it's called Emotional Culture Canvas. And with that is, as a team, people determine the top five feelings as a team that they need to feel to be successful. And then the top five feelings that they don't want to feel, but might feel sometimes like anxious. We don't want to feel anxious at work. Sometimes I'll feel anxious, but then there's, we go through a process where it's like, okay, how do I recognize signs of someone feeling anxious? How will my behavior impact someone feeling anxious or how will my behavior impact someone feeling supported? And then when you're doing that, it brings this level of intention to the work environment where it's looking and seeing, oh, hey, Bob from accounting, he's, oh, I remember we had this conversation when he's getting a little bit short with someone. It means he's feeling overwhelmed. Maybe I can ask him if he needs support or maybe yeah. I can take something off of his plate. It's amazing when you actually give somebody the, like the tools, right? Because you said like, I knew I was feeling this, but until I like visualized it, saw it down there. And like, you know, maybe for somebody who, can't always put their hand up and go like, this is not working for me, but they can, you're, you know, they're given the space They're you know, through your workshops, through the cards, they can say it. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of a, a workshop a couple years ago and the speaker had these cards and they're called sweet grass cards. And I know visual pieces are really great for podcasts because everyone is like (laughs) cool cards Emily um but there are these circle cards and again they're called sweetgrass cards and they were given by someone who works within a tribal council here in Thunder Bay and it they're very interesting so I'm going to put them in the middle so that Dee can see them as well (laughs) funny that I picked up leader so um on one side of the card that's white 
is more of like a positive word. And then the other side of the gray, it's sort of like the, the negative connotation. So mine has leader on one and bossy on the other. And it, it just made, it made me think of this and some of the work that I've done in and around difficult conversations. And sometimes when you're like giving feedback to somebody, you know, and, or if somebody's like, oh, that's a really difficult person to work with. Like, you know, I'm struggling because Emily's really bossy. And it's like, okay, how do we flip that? How can we make it more of a conversation that can lead to maybe a positive or at least a workable outcome? Okay, maybe she's showing leadership in, in a way that maybe isn't inclusive. Maybe it's, it's showing leadership in a way that isn't valuing other opinions, right? But how do you take a word like bossy? And it's one that having a daughter... Um, I, it's actually very topical for me. So I don't say, don't boss around your brother. I'm like, maybe we can lead in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a daughter who is a leader. <laughs> in my house. Um, don't know where they got it from yeah. at all. <laughs> right. Um, it's funny because I picked up creative and on the backside is weird. And that is very fitting for me as a person. But it's funny because I've heard about the Sweetgrass cards and the kind of story behind them is sweet grass on one side is rough and on the other side is shiny. So it's kind of like the rough word weird. How do we make, give it a shiny? Because there is a shiny side to every, every circumstance. And it's even like if someone's going through a hard time and they're acting out in a certain way, that's their way of asking for help or showing that they need help yeah. in some way. Another workshop that I do I do lots everything that I do is very interactive because I've sat through so many trainings in my life where I don't want a room full of clock watchers I don't want a room full of people who are falling asleep and ultimately as a facilitator I don't have the answers I don't know the ins and outs of how people on certain teams are feeling I don't know what's best for a team I don't know what they need to thrive and ultimately when I'm running a workshop I start the day with a focus question based on what their needs are and it will be what do we as a team need to thrive yeah. what is our vision what is an ideal workplace for us look like and then we go through this four-part series where it is what do we want what's blocking us from getting what we want what are strategies and then it's like what are some actions that we can actually achieve it's just like it's good because then it goes from like what can we do and then what will we do and the beauty in running these kinds of workshops is there's so much creativity. Look, looking at my Sweetgrass yeah. card here, there's so much creativity in workplaces and so many just like smart solution focused people yeah. who never have the opportunity. And it's like, if you want to know how to solve a problem, don't go up above people's heads ask the people at the front I noticed this system hasn't been working well because the conversations like kind of one of my taglines is I bring the water cooler conversations to the table and because the water cooler conversations that's where people are talking it's like the tailgate conversations at, at coffee and when people are sitting and having their chit chats that's where the solutions are coming from and that's where they're being like this is what I would do so if you take the time to sit down and say what would you do? And open that conversation up. And I've been in teams where I've got like the upper management, middle management and frontline people all together in a room. And they've come into those rooms feeling insecure, being like, I don't want to talk about this stuff in front of my boss. And the boss being like, I don't really want to yeah. hear what people have to say about me. But in opening 
opening those avenues for people to have conversations is huge because like I said earlier, they're, they're people. We're all people and everybody, we're all at work for a purpose, whether it's because we love what we're doing or we want to be able to put food on the table for our families. We're there for a reason. And when we recognize that and then realize that at the end of the day, if we're all just trying to make it a better place, it's just better for everyone. And like I watch I've, with my kids, they'll fight. And I'm always just like, then that when they're getting along, I'm like, isn't it nicer? Right. And I'm just like this. You don't seem like you're having a lot of fun right now, just picking at each other and yeah. poking at each other. And I'm like, it's the same thing in the workplace. If I'm sitting here gossiping about the people across the office from me and saying how terrible things are when I don't know them or know what's going on in their life or I'm making assumptions. Yes. Or if the people from above me are making changes without even consulting me when they're going to impact my day to day. It's all of those closed doors that you see and hear of so much communication and people saying their workplace is terrible and how it's awful. And I have so many conversations where people are like, oh, that place is the worst. That place is so bad. It's yeah. so bad where I am right now. And I'm like, but don't you want it to not be bad? Right. And a lot of times it's like, it's really bad because of the way people are being treated. You know, people say, you know, they don't like working someplace because of the people, because of the way people are being treated, because of the way, you know, maybe somebody is managing. They never say, maybe not never, but I've never heard someone say, I don't like working there because they have crappy coffee. You know, they never bring donuts in on Friday. There's nowhere to park, yeah. right? It's, okay, maybe that came up when I lived in, like, Toronto, but, <laughs> you know, it's related back to, like, the human side. And so I think it's really important that there are these ways for people to bring up things that, like you said, maybe are only talked about on coffee breaks or after hours or, and, and one of the big things that I try to do through assisting with employee relations is either you're at a company who has an HR, com an HR department that's probably so overwhelmed with, you know, onboarding and payroll and like those types of things that very rarely can they take on the human resource piece, right? Like I know from the bigger organizations or you're in a smaller organization and the person managing the human resources is also doing three other things. So, you know, how do you bring in and have those conversations, you know, bringing in someone like you and, and one thing that really stuck out to me when you were talking was you don't know the answers. You are there to help them, right? And it, it comes back to this other training that I'm actually partway through. It's the, the trainings around cultivating safe spaces. And the first workshop that I did, the, the piece that really stuck out to me was in talking about creating an agenda. And as a facilitator, are you creating the agenda because it makes you feel safe and happy and you're like oh great here's 10 things I am a complete expert about and can't wait to pass on my information but is that actually benefiting the people in the workshop right mm -hmm. or are you open to a largely empty agenda that is filled in by the people taking it and then you know maybe that makes you feel a bit uncomfortable but are you allowing them to have conversations mm -hmm. absolutely and it is just making that space because yeah. people just want to be heard. That's all. Yeah. That's all. I worked with a team once and a woman at the end of two days in a reflection got emotional 
and started to cry and said, I've worked for this company for 28 years. And in 28 years, no one has ever asked for my opinion in this way. And I just, I get goosebumps just saying that still because there's so many stories like that where it comes up and then you hear of the way that changes are handled so poorly and where things just aren't communicated. And that's, that's just it. Like when, as a facilitator, absolutely. It's so important to leave space or work very closely. When I'm working with a client, I work very closely to develop the agenda based on their needs and then still leaving space through the course of the two days for what's going to work, what's not going to work. There's a huge part of it is seeing the energy of the room the tone of the room, the participants, some people like I do, I have like a variety of energizers because there's some that I know be received differently with different groups. And it's just really recognizing that people just want to be heard and feel like they matter. And that doesn't happen. No, an example, and I might've mentioned it on an earlier podcast um, around being heard and feel like they matter. I had a client who had three people resign like in a month. And I'm going to use the word client loosely because they mostly came to me as like a quasi friend to just maybe bitch and complain about this. But I kind of tried to like turn it into work. But I sort of said like three's a lot like in one month. And so I was kind of poking and prodding and two of them they said were related to earning more money somewhere else, which if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you'll know that I think that that's complete bullshit because nobody leaves a job just for money. But the other one, they said, you know, when they kind of were able to talk to them, that this employee had opened up and said, well, like, you never ask me for anything. Like, you never ask me how I am. You never get my opinion on projects. You know, you literally just give me tasks. And this this friend said, you know, I ask them... I say good morning to them every day and I ask them how they're doing and I paused and I, I know the, like the landscape of this office and they have to walk past this person's desk every morning. And so I said, no, when you say you ask them and say hi to them every morning, like, are you physically going to have a conversation with them or as you come in every day, are you just breathing past their office and going like, oh, hey, yeah, how's it going? And do you consider that a check-in? And they looked at me and I'm like, mm-hmm. So again, yeah. on, on a manager's, I'm doing air quotes, everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on a manager's side, are you clocking that as like a check-in? Mm-hmm. But to your employee, are you, you know, are you still saying, hi, how are you doing? As you're like halfway down the hallway and how does that make you feel? Like, yeah. And it's like, are you looking up from your phone? Right. Or are you looking away from your computer? Or is it just a genuine, meaningful piece? And that's something that I always recommend when I'm working with managers is take the time to do an actual check-in that has nothing to do with a progress report or a review. Yes. Like no grading involved. Hey, how are you doing? Where, what's exciting you about work right now? Where are you struggling? Do you need support? What can I do to support you? And I know... I was working with a team recently and they're like, but I don't want to ask someone, what if I can't support someone? What if I don't have the time to support someone? So I don't like to ask that question. And I'm like, then you just change the language. What supports do you need? And it's just, I can't, maybe I can't support you right now, but maybe someone else can support you. Maybe we can redistribute your workload. Maybe we can flex your time if that's possible. But it really is an interesting thing. And that's a huge red flag through people and, 
and oh, that's what I was going to say. When I, I run a poll on LinkedIn, I think it was, and the question was, what would it, what would push you to leave your job? And more pay was dead last. Right. Yeah. It was like room for growth, connection, like knowing a true sense of purpose. It's not about the money because if you, I've, I've worked at places. Um, one of my favorite examples right now is the Dew Drop In. And for people who aren't from Thunder Bay, this is a, a soup kitchen where they feed, I want to say, close to 400 people a day. Yeah. And we did a volunteer morning there recently through Leadership Thunder Bay. And I was like blown away by the efficiency and the connection and just the camaraderie camaraderie with this team. Mm -hmm. And it was something where I will safely say that they're not bringing in a ton of money by any capacity. And, but all of the resources they were using, and it was literally, we walked in there, there was like 15 of us and they're just like, here, go to work. You make sandwiches, you pack bags, you do this. And then when I was done, I'm like, okay, what next? And then like the managing director or executive director, I'm not sure what his job title was, but like the big guy, he was down there. He's like, if we need to mop floors at the end of the day or someone needs to clean the dishes at the end of the day, I will be doing that yeah. because nobody's above those roles in that capacity. And for me, the success of that team was clearly not about money. It's because they were so clear in their purpose and everybody is working together towards a common purpose because they don't have time to worry that someone gave them a bad look or someone was whispering about them right, or yeah. someone took 17 minutes on their coffee break instead of 15 because they are so clear on their purpose. Yeah. Well, and if <laughs> I remember at an early job, it was like, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean, but it's like, <laughs> they don't have time to lean because then people don't get fed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right. And I know, um, at that organization, it's been that team for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, don't have an in-depth knowledge of their bookkeeping, but I can imagine that they haven't had a lot of, like, financial growth where they've been able to pass it on probably to staff. Like, I'm going to guess there's been very few raises or bonuses and things like that. So, like you said, they're there because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really been a huge focus for me lately is how do we help everybody get clear on why they are where they are. And I've thought back to jobs where I've had like air quotes, (laughs) like the golden handcuffs. And it's just like, and I've left those. And I sat back and been like, what would have made me stay there? Like if, if I was more clear on my purpose, if it was like, I understood the reason why I did what I did, but it was like, if we had taken time and been more intentional about what we were doing and been like, okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why it's important. This is who it's going to impact. Yeah. How can I help you feel a stronger sense of purpose here or whatever it may be? Because that's where the kind of people struggle with commitment, right? With places, because if I'm not clear on my purpose, like my, the big three things for me are trust, empathy, and purpose, because if I know that I'm trusted to go to work and there's a sense of autonomy there and no one's micromanaging or looking over my shoulders and if changes are coming down the pipeline, they trust me enough to bring me into the conversation, then I'm going to be committed to you. Yeah. And then especially if I have a clear sense of purpose, like if there's trust and purpose, I'm going to be loyal to your company because I know why I'm here and I know you trust me to be here. 
And then if you're empathetic to my feelings, are you kidding me? This is like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like the holy grail right? of being somewhere. Yeah. It could be the purpose or the reason why both of us are entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. I trust myself. I'm very empathetic to myself. <laughs> but but you're right. And like when you knit, when you were listing those three things, I was in my head running through like some of my past positions and going like, yep, I didn't have that. Yep, I didn't have that. You know, I and it's like you said, it's that golden handcuffs, like I, I honestly thought, what would it have taken me to have stayed in a couple of those roles? And legit, it was definitely not more money. It would have been filling those other buckets, right? And so I really feel like workshops and work that you do and, and related to some of the work that, that I do, I think it's helping maybe new leaders, current leaders, even just workplaces in general, create those maybe avenues towards filling those buckets, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's empathy or the other things that you listed. Now, when a workshop is done, when you're packing up your things, what sort of your like next steps with these organizations or what sort of things do you pass on to them to be like, okay, I'm gone, you're on your own, but here's how I'm going to make sure you, you continue to flourish. Oh, that's a good timely question, Emily. (laughs) Because this is something that keeps me up at night because I've done so many workshops or trainings where I've been a participant or even the workshops I've done with teams. And at the end, it's this like, I'm happy to say that there's generally like a warm feeling at the end of a workshop with me where people are like, okay, this is great. We're feeling hopeful and we're feeling excited and we're wanting to look forward. But that's my biggest fear is that don't lose this after a week. Like, what are we going to do? How do we create that accountability? I'm actually just in the middle of a process of developing um, a program where teams can work with me. I'm thinking it's going to be up to a year where I do like a a workshop quarterly based on their time availability. So then it's like gives time to have this because it's just like if I decide I want to get healthy and I go for a run tomorrow, my first say I haven't been running and I'm like, well, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. I'm not healthy now. Like you have to, it's got to be consistent. And it's the same thing with teams. It's like we had this open conversation. Amazing. This was a really good starting off point. Things aren't going to change overnight because if there's not, trust in a team there's going to be a dip where you start talking you have the warm fuzzy feelings and then it'll sorry I'm doing a wave with my hand here people who can't see me but it's like there'll be a dip it's going to get worse before it gets better because people if the trust isn't there they'll feel suspicious and be like what do you want from me what is this so it's like as a leader taking on an action like this it is very much seeing it through and I've had conversations with a lot of leaders. And when I ask them, what is a good leader to you? And they always say someone who follows through on what they say they're going to do. And it's the consistency. So it's, if, if I'm doing a workshop with you and things are great, don't lose that. Be consistent. Actually put on your calendar every pick a time that works with each staff member to have a check-in. It doesn't have to be an hour with everybody. It can be a 15 minute Like lots of times what I do at the end of a workshop is I provide leaders with an actual list of check-in questions that they can now use. And then another piece is if you're doing the emotional culture deck with the team, build that into your staff meetings. If you meet monthly, the first like 
10 minutes of the team meeting, it is just, Kate, here's a list of the positive words. Here's a list of the less desired words. Where's everybody at? And then I just use like dot stickers to vote and people can kind of put a line on the continuum for where they're at. And then it's a really solid visual for where teams need to improve. Maybe people aren't feeling as supported as they would like to be. Maybe people are feeling overwhelmed. It creates an opening for those conversations because then it actually, you can see, okay, this is where we need to improve right now. So it's really just about providing tools where they can actually implement them. And then something that I do is it's a two-day like workplace wellness action planning where they leave with a document after that shows like kind of how they're going to transform their the wellness, the well-being of their organization over up to the next five years. And then that's where it has to, there has to be follow-ups, there has to be check-ins. Whenever I do an action plan, I make sure there's a name beside every single action item. So it's not just like, HR will deal with that. No, who from HR is going to deal with that? And when I look at this list in a year from now, or if I'm a new employee and I'm looking at this list, I want to know who to call in HR and how to, what this, what the actual step-by-steps are for this to ensure that. But the accountability is huge because I know myself, I've left jobs because of false promises. Well, like you said, like in maybe other circumstances, a workshop will come in. It's like, oh, there's been a bit of a problem. Okay, well, let's let's bring in somebody. Okay, good. Everybody feels good. Okay, good. And then they walk out of the room and it's, no one ever talks about it again. Yeah, it's like the dusting your hands off. I'm done. I did a thing for my team today. Exactly. We're good for another year. And that's not what it is because it's not like I've seen lots of teams are like, but we plan Christmas parties and nobody comes. (laughs) Well, why... Why don't it, why doesn't anybody come? Exactly. Yeah. And that's a conversation that you have. And then if there's changes coming down the pipeline and you know that it's just having the conversations and it's being very intentional about how you're handling it. Because say when it comes to, to changes in an organization, there's, you've got two options to be proactive or to be doing damage control. Yeah. And it's really like, how, what do you want to do? Do you want to build the trust and keep the trust of your staff going through this change saying come with me let's do this together or do you want to say we made all these changes whether there's a a headquarters that it comes from or not each organization has the capability within their four walls to bring people into those conversations and then in doing that as opposed to doing a bunch of stuff to people changing their roles that they don't have any say and they don't understand why they're not clear on any of it that you lose that trust and I don't want to show up for someone if they're just telling me what to do Mm -hmm. yeah that's one of the quickest ways to like lose employees I think is and I've done that before and it's you know going back to the the cards in front of us you know the creative side you know I've had someone that has before said well what do you think on this and what do you think on that and so you give your opinion and then if you're consistently told no that's wrong or that was that was dumb Mm -hmm. then you stop giving your opinion and you just go, okay, well, what do you want? Yeah. Like, why are you asking my why opinion? Why are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow up is like the one big thing. Like I think on some of the presentations and things that I've been a part of my, my last slide around, like, what do you do after a difficult conversation or after you've had feedback or things like that? I always have like follow up, you know, create a plan, follow up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> plan for the next conflict and follow up because <laughs> I, 
it's, I think comes from that experience of being in these situations when you get some, like some expert that parachutes in and then it's like, okay, never again will we talk about what this, what this worked meant. And then so, and I remember being in a meeting once and I think I, myself and a colleague like raise our hands, we're like, are we going to talk about the professional development we all did? And like the like look of shock on our manager's faces was like, well, but why? What, like, you you know what they talked about. Do the things. And it's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Like, right. And that's a huge thing. And what I do is I really want to be able to give organizations the tools to stand on their own. As much, is it good for my business plan to have to bring me in yeah. year after year? Absolutely. Please do. Because it's fun. But it is also, if I am working with a team every three months or twice a year, or once a year, I want to know that I'm not coming back to square one every time. Yeah. Because then it's like, that's just the definition of insanity. Yeah. Where it's like, things aren't going to get better. If if you have this, you check it off the box, and then it's just back to business as usual, where you're still not asking your people for their input, where you're still not, like, <laughs> I was working with a team recently, and they're like, but, but we go out on the floor, we give attaboys. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Everybody, bring your everyone some. <laughs> okay. I'm like, but okay. And I don't want to be disrespectful in saying that, but I was just like, okay. So, what else? What else can we do? Right. To, and, like, if, if that's not working. Have you asked your team? Like, mm-hmm. do you appreciate that? <laughs> what do you want? And yeah, because sometimes an attaboy can feel like condescending. Absolutely. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, what do you need? And even going back to the having regular check-ins with your staff, some people want that. Some people don't. So yeah. it's even checking in. Hey, how often do you want, when do you want to have a chat like this again? Quarterly? Cool. Like I wouldn't let people never do it, but I would say if someone wants to meet every two weeks, cool. They don't have to be long. If someone's good every two months, also good because everybody has different needs. Yeah. And it's just, again, even in that, it's recognizing. And then the more that you get to know your staff on that personal level, see them as the human being they are, then what's going to happen is you'll know. You'll know just seeing, oh, Bob from accounting, uh, he needs a check-in right now. Yeah. Like. It's funny. It made me think of, I'm working with a client and they were talking about recognition, you know, maybe they need to be doing more as far as recognition for some of like the junior team members. And maybe it's staff meetings they bring up, like not necessarily employee of the month, but, but like in that sort of vein, like maybe let's highlight somebody's work. And I just said, is there anybody on your team right now who would hate that? Is there anybody on your team right now who, if you put a spotlight on them, they would shrink into the corner and like just wish that you would stop saying their name. And so you're right. It's getting to know your team. Some people might love like, you know, put the spotlight on me. Talk about me. You know, that's great. Other people might be like, yeah, you know what? Every once in a while, slip me my coffee and just be mm-hmm. like, good job. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's funny you say that. That's such a good example. Cause just last week I was working with a team. We were going through the emotional culture canvas and it's always fun coming down to the top five feelings that as a team people want to feel. Cause it's never just like really cut and dry. And when the word appreciated came up multiple times and then someone said, and they were talking about how to help people feel appreciated. And one of the participants said, I hate being appreciated. Don't 
And exactly <laughs> what you just said. She's like, I hate it because I'm doing it because I want to. I'm not doing it because I want a pat on the back. I just don't. And it was more that where I think that she didn't want the spotlight where she's just like, just, you know, you don't, don't say thank you. It bugs me. And I'm like, okay. And that's really important to know because lots of times people are like, oh, right. <laughs> okay. Like, sorry, I'm not trying to upset you. I'm trying to like, and it's, it's really learning. Yeah. People's, the nuances of people's different needs. So if people are inspired to learn more about your workshops and the work that you do, where do they find you? Well, I'm on most of the socials. I'm on Instagram at Deanne.Gagnon, LinkedIn, Facebook. I have a, you can follow my pages, Deanne Gagnon Dynamics on Facebook. And then, yeah, my website is DeanneGagnonDynamics.com. I'm going to link everything in the show notes so that you can learn more for yourself about Deanne and her work. And again, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Deanne. <laughs> okay, thanks, Emily. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandrick Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandrick is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.